Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cozy Podcast. We're continuing our Cozy Podcast Challenge with yet another story from 2020. And today's guest is actually another friend of mine from Humber College, did sport management in that small little social circle that we had with Marlon from our one of our last episodes. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Brian. Brian, thank you very much for having you on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Super excited to be here. Man, it's been, I think it's been cool. I thought about asking you earlier on to jump onto the podcast the same way I asked about Marlon. Obviously, as I mentioned, in order to get things started in the podcast, I really wanted to bring on just some friends and catch up because I think I mentioned to you that it, we haven't, I don't think we've chat actually since probably maybe around the beginning of the pandemic, if even then for longer than five minutes. So I definitely wanted to have you on here to get a proper catch up. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect opportunity to uh, reacquaint. It's been a while, man. So looking forward to this. Yeah. And also uh, eager to hear kind of how your year went because like I said, we haven't had a chance to catch up. So it's been that natural progression of conversation is going to be easy on this one as most of our of the podcasts have been so far. So uh, obviously don't be nervous. I know oh, this dude. is your first time speaking on uh, on a podcast or anything really. Yeah, man. Yeah. Heart's thumping right now, but I'm sure it'll, it'll get better as we go. That, uh, that recording, that recording, uh, thing will disappear in your head. You'll even forget about it. But so yeah, let's dive right into it, man. Like, first of all, uh, uh so again, just for everybody to know, Brian and I went to sport management at Humber college, uh, obviously with the idea of getting in, getting involved in the sport industry. That was the original, you know, I had an idea in my head. I'm sure he had an idea in his head. We first met, he was playing for the baseball team. I was the equipment manager and we were just, Marlon was actually on that baseball team as well. And I was just doing all the bitch work basically of getting gathering bags and bringing equipment and stuff like that. But I was really happy to be involved in that. And I'm really glad of kind of the friendships I made. Yours being one of them, Mars actually being another. And I think our social circle kind of was created from baseball, even with Mike even. And then obviously we have to call out Tanner because he got a little frustrated that he wasn't, you and him weren't mentioned at all in that meeting with with Marlon. But, but yeah, baseball kind of started everything for us, actually. Yeah, man, I think you were the first person I started talking to in sport management. And then, yeah, Marlon shortly came after and then yeah, Tanner and Mike. And I think that's something that we all share is a pretty big love of baseball. So it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not a surprise as as Mar mentioned already. It's not a surprise that I was the reason why we started talking was because I'm the talker and I was just like outwards in everyone's face. Hey guys, how are you? Hi, my name's Ryan. <laughs> so, oh yeah, dude. I think you were uh, running podcasts with us before, uh, before any of this. So that's awesome. That's why these conversations are so easy. Absolutely. Just because I enjoy talking as much as I do. So yeah, just pull that back. And then from there, one of the biggest things that I wanted to call out, you'll talk about it a little bit more. Obviously we'll touch upon that. I think that's been my biggest infatuation with Brian Woodhouse lately has been, has been the art, man. I was really, really surprised of the talent you have. And we'll obviously touch upon that, but holy cow, man, you're a great artist. Yeah, man. A lot of people, uh, I guess, uh, don't really know that I'm pretty into art. I was for the majority of my childhood and then got really into sports for a while there, but pandemic and just more time at home in my uh, later 20s, early 30s just caused me to start drawing again. And I'm I'm just like diving headfirst into it, man. I freaking love it. So absolutely. And just for everybody, obviously, um, I'm not sure if this will ever be shared on video. It's definitely an audio. So it's a podcast. Basically, this guy in front of me looks like uh, the guy from Son- Sons of Anarchy with the, with the <laughs> hair and the beard and everything to the point where he even went as the guy from Sons of Anarchy one time for Halloween. So just so you can understand that the, the voice matches the stud that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, so anyway, so just let's, let's start it off. So introduce yourself, where you're from, what you do, where you're working, that type of thing. And then obviously we'll lead that into talking a little bit more about, you know, how you got into art and all that cool stuff. Give us a little bit of about you. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm Brian Woodhouse. Uh, I'm from Aurora, Ontario. It's a small town, like 20 minutes north of Toronto. I was born in Newmarket, grew up in Newmarket my uh, whole life, which is about five minutes away from here. Yeah, I currently work for uh, the city of Markham in their rec department, been redeployed for nine months now. So I'm a snow or a sidewalk uh, plow driver. So that's been fun. But uh, on the side is where I really uh, dive into my passions. I'm a part-time artist, I guess. And yeah, I'm into wildlife, uh, nature, wildlife conservation, stuff like that. The pandemic has caused me to go into uh, photography and like I'm I'm loving that pretty much just as much as uh, my art. It's another form of art, but uh, yeah, I, I love it, man. It's it's uh, sweet. So. <laughs> and yeah, and I guess mention that. So uh, you mentioned that you work for the, the city of Markham and obviously we'll touch upon that. So basically before you were doing just basic kind of like, um, like Zamboni, like on the ice, as well as pool, as well as now you're doing snow removal. It's not the most luxurious jobs. Are you scrubbing toilets and stuff like that at the same time? Or how's that? <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, I, uh, I graduated from scrubbing toilets at the arenas. Um, so that's nice, but, uh, no, yeah, I had every, uh, childhood, uh, kid's dream job of driving a Zamboni. It, it was fun for a while there. And, and then I moved into pool operations, uh, I was looking after uh, swimming pools for the city there. And yeah, now uh, now I'm uh, plowing sidewalks because uh, the facilities are closed right now because of the pandemic. So Right. No, I mean, naturally, I think that obviously with things kind of being closed up and not many people getting out of their homes and being forced to stay in their homes. Yeah. Why do we need people in pools or managing pools or ice rinks and things like that anyway? So yeah, so it's interesting. You obviously left um, sport management with an idea of potentially getting into the sport industry. But for you, kind of similar actually to Marlon now, I guess the fact that you kind of wanted something a little bit more stable that was kind of, that kind of set you up. I think around that same time that you started at Markham, if not right after you bought a home out in uh, in Aurora, which is what you just mentioned. I saw your house recently and that uh, when I was back not too long ago and uh, gorgeous. And I'm sure you're happy that you had it all all kind of set up and ready to go prior to this pandemic. Yeah. Very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been an awesome place to stay during uh, this pandemic and I live with my beautiful wife and yeah, it's, it's a good spot. Well, I mean, we'll definitely touch upon that because I think there's so many people that either got married, engaged, or had babies over this entire pandemic. So for those who did, congratulations. Yeah. It's been a big year for that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I mean, what else do you have to do? It's like the, the, the baby boom back in 1960 or whatever it was, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the episodes that's being released soon, she mentioned that uh, having a baby and then I, in my head, I was like, oh yeah, there was all those names at the beginning was like quarantennial and what were they, uh, forget quarantines and things like that, man. In my head, I was dying of laughter because it was just the beginning of the pandemic when they made that joke. But now you're looking at it in January of 2021 and you're like, holy crap. I was like, there are a lot of babies and there probably are a lot of married people that are probably have some babies coming out soon that we're probably going to learn in the next months as well. Too, no. Dude, I know like four people right now who are like currently pregnant. So <laughs> when you're bored and stuck at home, 
You go straight to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a great way to pass time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, let's, let's touch back. So obviously we touched upon you working at the city of Markham. You live out in Aurora, which is just north of Toronto for those who don't know. But uh, I think the biggest thing that I wanted to touch upon was really the, your, your art and the fact that you've been embracing that lately. So I'm really curious kind of of your story of art. I know that I think you started, I want to say maybe about a year or two ago that you really started like really going into it. And when we last saw each other at your place, I saw you had a, like a, a perfectly nice nook set up, which I think you're probably sitting at right now where, you know, a lot of your pictures and a lot of your things in your Instagram page, we see, and you're getting, a, you're getting very artistic with your posts and things like that as well. So you've really been embracing kind of this artistic side of you for, a, for the, like the last couple of years, but give us a little bit of a background of a, how you started in art, but then, you know, how kind of things came to be that you came back into art and started to really put it in now. So give us a little bit of a talk about that. Yeah, man. So when I was a little kid, little five-year-old Brian Woodhouse, and that's all I did, man. I just drew every single day. Uh, I used to go over to my grandmother's house and um, she used to bake me stuff, like bake me pies, bake me cookies, type one diabetic. So I don't know how good that was for me, but whatever. (laughs) And so we used to just sit down at her table and uh, I would draw whatever would come to mind. I've always been, uh, or when I was younger, I was always obsessed with birds. So I used to draw like a lot of blue jays, cardinals, hawks, stuff like that with her. We used to do watercolor painting together. That's where I first started watercolors. And yeah, like some of my fondest memories are uh, just sitting at a table with her eating pie and doing uh, doing art for hours. And yeah, so then uh, all through elementary school, like we, I remember back in kindergarten, there was like a drawing table at the back of the classroom. And like, I think like every day we'd get like 45 minutes to draw. And like after those 45 minutes were done, like that teacher couldn't pry me off that table. Like I used to just stay there and I'm pretty sure like teachers just gave up on me for a while. Like I was just obsessed with drawing. Like I just wouldn't put the markers or the pencils or the paintbrushes down. Yeah. So that that's like, that's all I did. That's my, that's my uh, start into art. And then, um, I wasn't the best student. So, uh, like in the later grades, like five, six, seven, I, I never did my homework. So to try to make up for me not doing my homework, I used to draw pictures for my teachers and uh, kiss their ass a little bit. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so art got me out of trouble as well. So that's that's another thing that it's done for me. Then like uh, got as I got older, I, I didn't really think art was cool anymore. Started hanging out with uh, more or started getting more athletic friends and got uh, really into baseball, played that for a while, played competitively. Uh, went down south on a scholarship. And then it wasn't until like uh, my uh, later 20s that uh, I had all this spare time at home. I had a family member who wanted me to draw a, a picture for her for a book that she was writing. It was like 12, maybe 15 years at that point since I, I actually like committed to drawing a good picture. Right. So I was a little bit nervous. I, I, I didn't want to let her down. Right. And so started researching on YouTube and Instagram, looking at what other artists were doing now. Like I didn't have Instagram back in the day. So this was like kind of, it was awesome to like just start travel social. Yeah. Travel social media and see what people are doing now. Right. And uh, it really inspired me, man. So my first drawing was of a leopard. Took me about like three hours. Wasn't very big. And at the end of it, like I didn't completely hate it. Like I was proud of it. 
I don't think I even ended up giving it to that person. I, I framed it and hung it on my wall. So like that was my first drawing. Did a couple more after that. They weren't very big, but I, I liked them. I thought that they were pretty good. And then uh, after a couple months of doing those, I uh, decided to just like really challenge myself. So I decided I was going to do like a massive drawing of an elephant because I heard elephants are like one of the hardest animals to draw. Challenge accepted, basically. Pretty much, man. And so uh, I found a picture of an elephant on the internet. Uh, it was copyright free, so uh, I could draw it and put it on social media and not have to worry about any uh, any issues with that. Right. So I think the drawing, like, man, it like it was a it was a marathon. Like, I think it took me like six months to do this drawing. It was hyper realistic, all graphite pencil, and it was like a close up shot of the elephant too. So like super detailed. And like, man, there was like times like going through that drawing where I like just wanted to like give up. Like I had to focus so hard on it, right? But like I was obsessed. Like I couldn't put the pencil down. And then at the end of it, like, I just like, I remember that day, I still remember it where I finished it. And I like just sat back and just like stared at the drawing and like, just like that feeling of like creating something. Yeah. Like I was just like, it just, just pulled me in so hard. And, uh, I really haven't put, uh, the pencil or the paintbrush down ever since, like, uh, ever since then I've had a art going, I've just, I dove head first into it, man. And no, I was just going to say, I was going to say, man, that elephant was incredible. First of all. So like kudos, that was incredible. I can imagine for yourself, you probably had an expectation, an idea in your head. And I think that's kind of like anything, you know, you have these ideas in your head of what it could be. I used to take art when I was younger too, but nothing compared you know, I think I mentioned to you, I took some watercolors and stuff when I was younger. I was pretty talented as well, but nothing like that. I never had like those moments where I could just like lose myself in art. And I think like certain things call people. I think your thing, you know, obviously you love sports, but the fact that you kind of found that, you know, that refuge, I guess you could call it inside of your art. And then obviously you wanted to perfect it at the beginning. And then, but I can imagine it for the amount of time you said six months, you dedicated to doing it or how long did it take you to draw it? Yeah. Just that one drawing took me a uh, six months to do. I, I can't, like, I don't do it full time. So it was like a couple hours a day, but yeah, it was, it was a long drawing, took a while a lot of detail in it. So would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Because for me, I am a huge perfectionist. So when I look at stuff, I'm like, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. I can't do that because I'm, you know, it's just too much for me to be too focused on it. Like, are, do you find yourself as a perfectionist or you just kind of go? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm a total perfectionist. Like when I first started art, it, it actually uh, worked against me. Um, art is something that's supposed to be like free flowing and you're supposed to embrace the mistakes. Right. I and mean, at the beginning, when I was drawing that elephant, like any little mistake, mistake, any little like dot that I like paid attention to on the on the photo, like I had to put in the drawing and I've had to actually uh, teach myself now to uh, step away from that. Right. Because uh, if the drawings become uh, too detailed and too photorealistic, I feel that it kind of takes a little bit out of it, right? Like it takes that artistic quality out of the drawing. So yep. I've actually tried to uh, allow myself to be a little bit more free in, in my drawings. And I, I think it's uh, it's helped me for sure. Well, obviously touch upon this. Like, so you started with the elephant, but guys, this guy, is, I mean, kind of ironic that I'm about to say this because of the fact that the way that the pandemic started with Tiger King being released on Netflix. Oh, man. But my the man in front of us right now, guys, the guy we're talking to right now, Brian Woodhouse, guy 
draws big cats better than anybody. So if anybody is a tiger fan or a lion fan, or I don't even think, if, I don't know if you've done a lion yet, a leopard fan, you know, any big cats, if you're a big fan of big cats, hit this guy up because man, the fur, like the detail on the fur is incredible. Like I remember looking at that and you can watch some of your videos that you show, like you doing like, even like I could see a tiger in the background of you right now. And there's like, you can see like the little hairs inside the ear. And like, I remember you doing one of those videos where you're showing it and you're just like, all I see is like these little switches. You're just kind of like making these little hairs coming out of the air, the like, and then like the whiskers and shit like that. It's like incredible. Like the you know, level of detail, man. I know you think you're going like you're a perfectionist or whatever, but the free flow must be there some way, even though you think you're being a perfectionist. I could not do that many lines in a row without being like, oh no, that's the wrong line. You know, like there's, there's too much, you know? And then obviously uh, just before you, you comment on that, but also the level of detail on the elephant with all of the wrinkles, and the, you know, the, the shadows and everything that are in that for just for people to see most of his, uh, most of his cats are colored. And I think you've been doing a lot of colored ones lately. Right. But, uh, the last, the, the elephant was really kind of like a shades of gray and, you know, white versus, you know, lots of shadows and highlights and things like that, which is man, just incredible detail. But yeah, comment on that. Cause that's, it's incredible what you've done so far, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, I have done a lion. I I did a graphite drawing of, of a lion. So graphite is all black and white. And yeah, that's really what I go for in my graphite uh, drawings is like those really darks and those those highlights really makes the image uh, pop out. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that most of the cats that I do uh, color now because growing up, I was always terrified of color, man. Like it was, it always seemed like it was really challenging yeah. to see the different colors uh, in an in a in a in a in any drawing right? Right. So it's something that I like was determined to learn when I got back into art. I was like, well, I got to learn color because I can't just draw black and white for the rest of my art career. So uh, it was a lot of research, a lot of studying. And yeah, man, I, I do. I, I try to like vary my mediums, right? Because uh, I try to keep it interesting for myself. So I'll work in uh, watercolor paints, uh, graphite. I really like colored pencil, yep. stuff like that. Uh, and I recently started getting into uh, acrylic painting as well. So it, it keeps uh, it keeps art uh, interesting for me, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I one thing I do remember, and this is where I can like, again, I'm not an artist. I wouldn't consider myself that, but think something that's really cool about a lot of the things my mom exposed me to when I was younger. One of that being art. I did art lessons for like four or five years and I did it every Saturday for like an hour and a half. Shout out to the, uh, Maureen Lipa. She lives in Australia now, but, uh, and she's an, she was a nurse, but she just started teaching art again. Yeah. I just remember like the very specific, you know, colors of like watercolor, acrylic, pastels, charcoal, graphite. I remember because she basically taught me just kind of what they were, right? Like for me, it wasn't really, for me, it wasn't like, ah, okay, I'm going to be this big artist now. She'd be like, no, we're going to draw a flower with this. And we're going to show you how to, you know, create a petal and create this. And it was really cool because, you know, it embraces a little bit of creativity side. That's kind of when I first learned a little bit of the artistic side. And I actually realized that I, I had an eye for art. It was cool. But yeah, again, I think it's definitely something it has to call to you, right? Like for you, you can tell that, uh, you know, even just through your posts, man, like that, that's the thing I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm your biggest fan. Because when I first saw the elephant, I was like, who is this guy? This guy is a, a pitcher who was in baseball, who I was like, I spent, you know, I spent basically shooting the shit over sunflower seeds and, you know, gum and, and, and dip basically. And then, and then obviously we shot, we shot the shit a lot. And I, I want to make this reference. Cause I told you I would make, I would make this joke, but basically I knew that he could draw, but the only reason why I knew <laughs> you could draw was because this guy would draw like 
bulgy large penises the same way that Superbad, like they did that, that guy did in Superbad. And he would just draw them inside of his notebook when he was bored at some of the classes. And I remember seeing them and be like, holy crap, that's a massive penis. But I never really thought, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, he's a great artist. And then now if you look at it in hindsight, you're like, oh, damn, like he's always been good at art. It's just that, you know, he put a little bit of more time into the, you know, the learning, the little bit more details of probably making this incredibly detailed and realistic painting or drawing or whatever. It is. Oh yeah, I know. Well, even in uh, college when I was with you, I still still wasn't uh, the most focused student in the world. And so yeah, when people were doing presentations uh, just to pass time, I used to draw them as uh, penises in my notebook. Like one in ten people have it, right? So right, <laughs> crazy man. What but do you yeah. one in t- what you say? One in ten people can draw. Super bad reference there. <laughs> one one in ten people draw penises. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But I'm sure not all people that draw penises can draw animals and can draw as as really good as you can. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference between those two drawings. But yeah, the the one like the realism drawings, they're long term, right? Like most of my drawings take at least three weeks, uh, if not more, a couple months to complete. So uh, it's definitely a long haul. It's not something that I uh, do in one day or two days or whatever. Right. So then I guess like just to just to kind of talk about this a little bit, because I, I really kind of really curious about kind of how you approach it. So with you got in got starting to get back into art, you said that was about a couple of years ago, right? You With that with that elephant drawing that you started working on for six months, that was the that was the piece de resistance that kind of like said, you know what, I can do this and I can move in that direction. I would assume that that's the case, right? Yeah, that was the number one uh, drawing that kind of launched this all off and I, I named it after my grandmother. So just to toss mm. it in there, that, that uh, drawing was named Ellie after uh, my grandmother, Eleanor, who uh, oh, wow. got me into art. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So it was like a tribute and then kind of like, you know, it honors her. And now I'm sure you're probably much more attached to the art of, of what you're doing now because of how, you know, emotionally attached you were to that piece. And just to be clear, did you sell the original? Did you, did you sell like, I remember you told me you were, you were going to start selling prints, which is amazing because it's gorgeous, but did you end up selling the original? I did sell the original. Yeah, man. Um, I, it's something that uh, I learned from uh, artists uh, online is they say that you got to learn how to let go of your artwork. And Hey, that's a, that's a big challenge, right? Like we put all this time into creating uh, these paintings, and then if someone wants to buy them, we got to let it go uh, at the end of the day. So um, it was it was tough at the beginning, but now it, it's nice to know that people want to hang my art in their house or their uh, office areas, wherever it goes. Um, I, I'm super grateful for that suggestion. In the future, when you start making a bunch of money, you can go buy it back. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of artists doing that before. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you create, you create demand, man. If I, if I make a decent amount of money, I'm going to find out who you sold that original to and I'm going to find it and I'm going to keep it and I'll, I'll give it to you for like birthday or something like that. Oh yeah. But it's no, but it's ridiculous. Like, I, I mean, I think it's really cool that you have that kind of honor to your, your grandmother that got you started in art. Like I said, that that has an emotional attachment or connection to the process and kind of what you did. But I think it's even more commendable the fact that you were able to let that go because, you know, I can imagine the attachment that would be associated to the drawing just because you you decided to name it Eleanor and that you decide or Ellie and that you went through that direction. And then it has such an emotional connection, but you decided to still sell the original. Can you give us a little bit of an, like, I understand that obviously you, you had conversations with artists since you've been doing this and you've been talking with a lot of people that are in the industry in that now more than you did before. So like, can you tell us about kind of how you felt kind of trying to let that go? Was it tough? Like, did it take, did it take a lot of discussion? 
discussion with your, you know, your now wife, like, tell us, like, was that difficult or? Oh, it, it totally, totally difficult. Um, I, I kind of, uh, it was a process, right? Like when I, when I first sold it, I was like, oh, was that the right idea? Like I, I got a good, good price for it. Like I wasn't going to let it go for pennies. Right. So the right buyer had to come around. I, I had to think about it and just know that like, Instead of holding on to that artwork uh, that represents my grandmother and how she got me into it, now now it's out there. Seeing uh, someone else's house, it's a part of their family. I think it's got a bigger meaning that way than just staying cooped up in my house. So I think it serves its purpose by uh, by being in uh, someone else's family, and uh, that's that's something that I enjoy. Uh, knowing is that Ellie's out there helping uh, bring joy into other people's lives. So. Man, that's pretty cool. I, I no, I mean, I'm I have a difficulty. I think a lot of people have probably have a difficulty with letting things go. So I think it's kind of interesting that in a in a bit of a cathartic way, you can kind of like let something like that go that has such an emotional attachment. Because I'm sure a lot of people would not be able to do that. So I think that's really cool that you've kind of suddenly or recently been able to embrace that you know, that aspect of being an artist and move from project to project to new project to new project. And, you know, now as you progress, I'm sure you're going to put a lot more masterpieces. You know, I'm looking at two of them now in the future. So, and then just give us an idea. Cause I, I'm really curious just for myself, give us an idea of like when you, when you approach the canvas, well, when you did approach the canvas, cause obviously we'll touch, we'll touch this in a little bit. Now you're doing a lot, you're doing a bunch of commission work. So you're drawing people's animals. I remember at one point you told me, man, I'm going to start drawing people's horses because money is and horses. And I remember you telling me that. And I remember us joking. And I was like, dude, you should definitely draw some damn horses. There are horses that are that cost like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Imagine what those people will pay for a drawing of their horse if they have a stud, right? So I remember you talking to me about that. And I, I think it's really cool that you finally, you did decide to get into commission because you're changing your animals now, right? You're, you're starting to have a little bit more variety to what you're drawing because you did start off with cats after the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the elephant. But yeah, just give us an idea. So when you approach, like before, when you approach the canvas, did you have an idea in your head? Do you always have a picture to base yourself off of? Because obviously for the commission work, they likely give you a picture. Give me a walkthrough of kind of your workflow from your mind of where you start till you actually put graphite to paper or whatever it is. And then also walk us through a little bit of like the process. Like, do you make, because I know for podcasting, what I've recently done is I can get very, very particular of how I'm doing it. Again, I'm a perfectionist. So I've actually had to teach myself to actually work on something for a short period of time and then actually leave and give myself some distance, give myself some space to not think about it, to do something else. I'm sure with the, you know, working at the city of Markham, that gives you a chance to kind of <laughs> do some, what do they call that? Like menial or mediocre work that you don't necessarily have to think or do anything special, but yeah, walk us through that process from beginning to end. How, how does that, how does that go through in your head? Yeah, man. Uh, so when I'm doing commissions, yeah, it's primarily based off of the, the pictures the, of that person's animals that they give me. I offer to go take photos of uh, those people's animals too, if they if they live within a close distance of me. Right. Just because I got the camera and the more. That's detail, another thing you've been embracing lately is the photography, which we'll definitely touch upon in a minute. But yeah, so you've sure, been taking man. you've been taking photos, but also getting photos from people. Yeah, yeah, and so they'll send me uh, photos, and then uh, it's it's a matter of uh, I try to get them to send me more than one photo. Like I'd like like five to six photos. Because sometimes a photo that the uh, the pet owner or the the animal owner uh, thinks is a good photo doesn't quite work. Um, I'm looking for emotion in the eyes of the animal and certain looks, something that expresses the animal's character, right? Right. And so um, 
I try to look through the photos and one that stands out to me uh, in that way is usually the one that I'll choose. And it's also a bit of a surprise for the owner too, right? Like they don't know exactly what photo I'm going to choose. So that's kind of how I approach that. But it's different. Like when I'm drawing my cats um, or my elephants, uh, my wildlife art, that's, that's really based on like, honestly, like how I'm feeling in the moment. So there's... I, I pay photographers for uh, for the photos of the animals because obviously I can't travel to the other side of the world and take photos of uh, leopards and tigers and elephants and all that. Right now, I'd love to in the future. So all uh, there's a couple websites that artists can uh, go on and get reference photos for their art. And so I spend a lot of my time uh, cruising those websites and I'll find a photo of an animal that like, it all, it like stops me. Like I, I'm looking through, looking through, and then like one will just hit me. I'll have that connection with that photo. I can manipulate them a little bit too. Say like if a koala bear is like missing like a leg or something in the photo, like I'll like kind of map that in a little bit. Yeah. Or uh, if like the arm is in a weird position, I'll move it so that it looks a little bit more uh, appealing. Like, appealing for the for the drawing right yeah it's really an emotional connection with my wildlife art for example when we went into a lockdown here like there was like an elephant it it looked like it was just like moving forward and kind of like stomping on and called it the traveler because uh i realized that this is going to be like a journey for all of us that we have absolutely man go through with the coronavirus so so yeah, like uh, the drawings kind of have like an emotional connection and how whatever I'm going through at the time, another one, the lion that I drew, it was like a very aggressive looking lion, like kind of like looked like it's just been through like the trenches, right? right. Another time in uh, during this pandemic. And so like, uh, that's something that we can all relate to uh, going through this. So I named it uh, Resilience. Yeah. It just like the, the, the lion had like battle wounds on it, had scars and stuff. And I think like we're all going to be scarred and have battle wounds from uh, going through this pandemic. So kind of like there's more than just drawing the lion, like there's connection to it. There's, there's kind an of emotional like a, attachment, as we said. Yeah. Trying to create a story through it as well. So that's kind of how I approach that. I know that yeah. was long winded. But then going going to the actual drawing, I'll uh, I'll grid it out. I'll I'll get all the proportions right. I'll use a very light pencil so that I can erase mistakes. And then when I'm actually like happy with how the uh, composition looks, that's when I'll start going in with like my darker leads or my darker paints. It's just working in like layers, man. Like uh, I start light, work to dark, and it kind of just like you keep adding more 3D as you like uh, have those uh, transitions and contrast. Right. in the drawing. So Interesting. I don't know if that really answered. <laughs> no, 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 you did. I mean, obviously uh, I'll bring it back a little bit. So uh, you mentioned that you have a, an emotional connection or an emotional attachment. You form that, uh, that story and everything. Do you form that? Like, did you name resilience for the, for the, the lion prior to drawing it? Like, did you have that word attached to it? Or do you normally, you have that emotional attachment that lives inside of you as you're doing it. And then when you get to the end, you're like, what do I want to name it now? Because it has this feeling of the journey. Yeah, man. So the good thing about doing a uh, realism is that it takes uh, so long to do that you got lots of time to think while you're doing the drawing. Right. And so, yeah, while I was drawing that line, like a story kind of emerged with me while I was drawing it. And at the end, like resilience is just like a name that came to me. It was perfect. It fit the entire story, fit the image really well. The, that lion looked resilient. And so um, that's kind of how that forms. But yeah, I usually don't have a name for the, uh, other than Ellie, I, I kind of knew that when I was drawing the elephant, okay. I was going to name it that, but, uh, I usually don't have a name for the drawings until like 
even when I'm done uh, the drawing, it might take me like a week or two to just like kind of uh, think of a name that fits it Crazy. well. And I don't just want to throw like any name at it because then that's going to kind of be like something that uh, like will bother me. So I need, to, I need to actually have like that moment where I'm like, oh, that's the right name for that image. Like with the koala drawing that I did, like hanging on, because that was during uh, the uh, Australian forest fires, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Those animals were like hanging on for like their lives, right? So I thought like uh, that name like describes that that drawing like perfectly. Like uh, it's a mother koala holding uh, its uh, baby on its back and they're holding onto a branch kind of looking out. I thought like uh, like it's just like a perfect name kind of like, I don't know, perfectly embodies like what was going on at that time. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, obviously your art is almost like little children of yours, right? So you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to, for the honor of what you've just completed and what you've just create created, it, it, it makes sense that you should put a little bit of effort into what the name would be. Cause it also, it, like you said, it kind of tells a story. So if you have the right naming, it, ha- it just resonates much more powerful with people. Whereas if it just has a generic name or something like that, it doesn't necessarily have that emotional attachment or story to it. And I think that's, that's actually a really interesting thing because being raised in art and, you know, obviously being exposed uh, to a lot of different cultures and flying and going to different countries, I've spent a lot of time in art museums. Naturally, I've been to the Van Gogh Museum in, in Amsterdam. Uh, I've been to the to the Louvre in France, which is incredibly beautiful. I think I've actually done a couple others that I remember in like Australia or something. One thing about the art that I kind of recognize, and it's something that I think it, some people think that art is like a bit pretentious because it takes these, you have to kind of understand those layers and people kind of go into these very confounded, large explanations about one little, small, little, whatever it is, piece of art, whether it's a sculpture or a painting or a drawing or a chair that's upside down or, you know what I'm saying? like those weird things. But I think what's really interesting is that that is why art ends up being like that little pretentiousness a little bit, because, you know, you kind of have to look at it. And if the story isn't already told in front of you, you know, sometimes there's a little script at the bottom that explains, you know, you know, for example, for you, for hanging on that significance, I I definitely wanted to touch upon that. You did that as a specific help or art piece of art that was being done during the Australian forest fires. And I remember with all of those animals that were dying, koalas specifically, I remember you actually raised some money from that. So obviously that has more attaching story to a cause and to a purpose and to an intention. And that's really kind of how you can, that's, I would assume that's why if someone bought a piece of your art, there would be that much more attached to it. It's not just something you've drawn in six months or whatever it is. Who cares how long it took you to do it, right? Brian Woodhouse puts every single piece of emotion, every single ounce of him into this paint, into this drawing, into this piece of art. And that is what you pay for. You don't pay for the piece of paper. You don't pay for the colors that are on the piece of paper. You pay for the person behind the pen, the person behind, you know, the the story, the person who sees the vision. That's what you're paying for. And that's why people pay a crap load of money to go see pieces of art in the Louvre, pieces of yeah. art in you know, the Van Gogh museum. So yeah, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, how much did you raise stuff like that about that, but also get, tell me about that emotional attachment. Cause I, I really find that, I really find that interesting. That's a big piece of art. Yeah. It's something I'm super proud of. It didn't raise a lot of money, but uh, I sold the drawing for $500. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's, it was a way for me to just help. Like I, man, I felt bad for what was going on over there. Like that was terrible. And with COVID happening right after we almost all forgot. Yeah about uh, how like crazy those forest fires were over there. And like, you saw like animals like hanging on to fences that were like burnt alive and koalas burnt in trees. And like that stuff like 
tugs on like my heartstrings, heartstrings man. Like yeah. It, yeah. Like even now, like you, you can get like emotional talking about it. So I think that's part of being an artist, man. Like you gotta, like, you gotta find your purpose in your art and, uh, and you really gotta like, yeah. Like why, why are you doing it? Your why, right? Like everyone, everyone has their why for why, yeah. like why you're doing your podcast. Marlon's doing his stuff. Like we got to find our why in life. And that's something that I'm still working on, but, uh, yeah, giving back uh, with my art, I feel is just like a great way to find my purpose in my life. And I want to do a lot more of that going forward, doing drawing pictures to raise awareness for wildlife conservation and give back to, uh, to the animals that I draw. Right. Cause they're, they're my Absolutely. subjects and uh, I think I owe it to them for letting me draw them. So, yeah. Yeah. So the koala drawing that I did, I still have prints of it and all the, all the money for the prints, uh, that I make or all the money that I make off the prints goes towards a koala hospital in Australia to kind of amazing. Do you know the name off. of the koala hospital? Uh, the Porqua koala hospital. Whereabouts is it? Uh, I don't know actually exactly where it is. No, I just, cause I'm, I'm uh, obviously everybody check out. Um, I was, I'm going to give you a shout out at the end again to remind people, but it's at Brian Woodhouse art on Instagram or www.brianwoodhouseart.com. So definitely check him out. Some incredible pieces that he's done. And that one for the hanging on with the koala, I, I, I resonated with it as well, because obviously you had these, like you said, you had these burning animals and these, these, these animals that are dying. And I think now there's a lot of animals that are starting to become endangered because of that in that area. But yeah, sorry, what was the name of the koala hospital and where is it? So yeah, it's uh, the Port Macquarie Koala Hospital. Let me just pull up their website here. I don't know if they say where they are. Uh, it you might should. be. Yeah. I guess it's in Port Macquarie. <laughs> Port Port Macquarie, just because I want to give people some context. Yeah, yeah. in, in Australia. Look. It's in New South Wales. So actually we have a, so the koala hospital is right there. I could see it. Yeah. 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 It's not too far. Ooh, where are we here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So halfway between Gold Coast, Coffs Harbor, Newcastle and Sydney. Okay. So it's about halfway between Sydney and Brisbane, basically located in Port Macquarie, right off the coast. Obviously most of Australia is off the coast, but uh, actually one of my guests that's going to be coming on, um, he's uh, he's Australian, Adam. He's actually from not too far in New South Wales, actually. So nice. pretty interesting, but you know, that's, that's great, man. And then you, like you said, you raised $500 up until now, but I think with continuing to sell prints, obviously more money will gather. Yeah. Or, and I mean, if there are people that are interested in a print and want to donate to that cause, I think uh, if I can help with that in any way, because of my network and the people that I know as well, please do re reach out to uh, Brian and ask him if you want to, if you, uh, for a print, how much are prints just so they know? Uh, they're a hundred bucks. Perfect. Each. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, a hundred dollar donation to a koala hospital, especially with what, what happened, I think you also get a tangible piece of, of art with it as well. And obviously knowing the artist that's behind it, I would definitely buy one, but I live in a different place right now. But so at some point I'll probably ask you, I think I actually already talked to you about, I want to have some type of piece of art, but I'm just going to wait for you to get more famous. That's, 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 what we're going to go with it. Yeah, man, go <laughs> we'll get one for sure. So that, that's crazy. Like obviously with the emotional attachment with coming with the art, that's, that's gotta be, that's probably making things a lot more, a lot more kind of significant. Like you said, purpose, why intention of what you're doing. I know for me, podcasting is more just because I get to talk to people and I love talking as we discussed. So then I guess just to kind of get into your story of 2020, because uh, we haven't really touched upon that at all, really in 2020, you've obviously spent most of your time focusing on your, on your art. So I know you mentioned the pandemic, but like walk us a little bit of 
your 2020? Has it been solely focused basically to that? I know you also got married this year. So congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thanks, Finally, man. we're able to get married despite the fact that obviously with the things being closed and gatherings not being allowed. So walk us through a little bit of your 2020 and how your art kind of has grown over the year and you know how your attachment has been obviously with the start being in Australia with the Australian fires and things like that. Give us a little bit of a walkthrough of your 2020 and, and the significance behind your art now. Yeah, man. The beginning was a uh, super uh, nerve wracking 2020 when the pandemic pandemic uh, first hit. So from my full-time job with Markham, uh, we got sent home for I think uh, four, four weeks or five weeks or something like that. Right. So I was just, uh, I was just chilling at home. And so I, I thought it was a perfect opportunity to get drawing and that's when I made the traveler and uh, resilience that we were right. talking about earlier. And then we got sent back. We got redeployed to a different department because the facilities were closed. So like we said earlier, I'm plowing sidewalks right now <laughs> right. Uh, through the day. And then at night I'm drawing. But yeah, man, I uh, being home and not playing sports, like I play on a baseball team with Marlon and uh, we didn't have that this summer. So I had a lot of spare time and I'm a kind of guy that I need to be doing something. I need to be learning something or creating and I don't like to sit for too long. So I uh, decided to learn photography kind of happened at the beginning of the pandemic. Same way that I got into art, man, I started uh, looking at people on Instagram researching photographers, uh, looking at their YouTube videos, uh, how they do it, and learning uh, pretty much everything that has to go into uh, taking a picture. I started watching guys like uh, Peter McKinnon, sick photographer. He lives in my, or close to me actually, like five minutes away or 10 minutes away. No kidding. I looked at other photographers too. Like there's there's too many to name. Yeah. But I uh, started learning the craft, saved up my money. I had, after I sold a couple uh, pieces of art, I was able to actually invest in a camera, which I thought was a good idea because that's something that can kind of bring my art to another level. Right. Right. And so I bought a camera and just started learning photography, going out, going in nature, shooting pictures, figured it was safe because uh, social isolation, right? So, or uh, social distancing. So, yeah, I just started learning a new craft and I figured it was good because when the pandemic's done, I can start traveling again and go and shoot my own reference photos and instead of uh, having to pay uh, other photographers for their work. So that's kind of been uh, my main focus through uh, 2020. Uh, me and my wife, uh, Sarah, we were supposed to get married in uh, June, but we had to cancel the wedding, obviously, because the numbers were really high and right. it wasn't the best time to be of course. Having a wedding. So we uh, rescheduled it. I think we had to cancel it again, I'm pretty sure. And then in the fall, we just decided to uh, to elope uh, with our uh, immediate family. So we had like 10 people there and uh, ended up getting married within two hours. It was all done. We went back, had a little party at uh, Sarah's parents' house and and that was it. We were married and I'm so happy to have her in my life, man. She's She's everything to me. She uh, she deals with all my bull crap. So, <laughs> and obviously every uh, every artist needs somebody there as a bit of support. I think that's definitely something that I've missed is that being out here on my own. It's as I mentioned in a few of the different episodes. It's been tough because I'm obviously just by myself. So when you yeah. have somebody like that and you have that significant other like you do to kind of lean on, especially when you have these emotional attachments and you're you're going through this journey of you know art of everything. I can imagine that having her there is kind of a bit of a stable a source of kind of 
like strength can probably can make things a lot easier. I know there's a lot of people that have struggled during the pandemic with living with their significant others, but on the plus side, you know, that significant amount of time that people are spending with their loved ones is really kind of creating, I think, stronger and deeper connections than we ever could have had. Right. So, yeah, man, she's my best friend. So being able to live with her, uh, I'm super grateful for that. And I know other people don't have that situation. And yeah, hey, we're all struggling through this, man. I found like uh, going forward with uh, 2020, it's just been like a big year for uh, character development, right? Yeah. It's been huge, man. Like I'm trying to like, just really like embrace my creative side because it's something that I've kind of always like pressed back a little bit. And so I'm really just like trying to like, just be like my true self, my true character, my creative self, like even like something as stupid as like growing my hair out long again. Like that's something that's (laughs) just like embracing like my artistic side. Right. Yeah. That's, that's been a huge goal of mine for 2020 is just to like find my character, find who I am as a person and just be that person and not care about the other people's thoughts or what other people thought I was like being like a, like the kind of like that jock uh, mentality kind of, or like, yeah. you know, like everyone thought that I was just like a, like an athletic jock kind of dude. And I'm, I'm really kind of trying to embrace like my true character of being more of an artist and a, and a creator. So that's, that's been a huge goal of mine. 2020 has definitely had like its ups and downs for me. Like, man, getting married is a huge up. Yeah. Really diving into my art has been like something that I'm grateful for in 2020. And there's definitely been like some great opportunities and there's been some lows too, man. Like, uh, it's been a struggle. I had to, uh, get rid of like one toxic person in my life. That was a huge uh, step forward into just like getting to a better place uh, myself. So it's been rough. I've had some, uh, some speed bumps along the way and I'm hoping things are uh, getting better going forward from here. Yeah, man. I think I agree with you. I think character development, I think that's a good one because character is obviously, I I would say even just to pull it back even further, just personal growth and development in general. You know, I mentioned that I think Mars episode was actually probably the most, no offense to Mar, but I just didn't expect that that was the conversation we were going to have. And it was really cool to hear a guy like Mar talking so positively about how, you know, manifesting such a positive thing and, you know, realizing what he wants out of life and making decisions based on that. It's basically what all of us have kind of been going through, you know, in one way or another, you know, I mentioned this in one of the other episodes is that all of us have kind of been dealing with the exact same thing, right? Like uh, with this pandemic and this this global pandemic and COVID, all of us have been affected by this and we all have different struggles or different things that have, that, that have affected us from it. But all of us are walking out of 2020, whether we like it or not, with a general understanding of what we do or do not like, either about ourselves or what we like to do or whatever it is. So like, it's interesting, like for me, it's walking out of here a little bit more confident about myself as well, you know, out of walking out of 2020, feeling confident about myself going into 2021, understanding what I want to accomplish, who I am, who I want around me. I know you just said that you, you know, you purge somebody who who's negative and, and things like that. Like that's a big thing for me too, is because it's draining when you're trying to find this positive energy and you're trying to ride the wave of, you know, positivity and mindset and things like that. Like we're talking about Mar, you know, having that sense of positivity and that momentum going. And then you have somebody who's like, they can't achieve that at the same time, they, they, for whatever reason, they're not able to tap into that type of energy. So instead of trying to bring themselves up to your level, they bring you down to them and they try to 
suck out your positivity, suck out that energy that's going. And I, I definitely agree with you. I think that if you have any of those types of people, obviously if you have family and stuff like that, it's tough sometimes to do it, but it's your life. You make a decision on who you want in it and who you want around you. And I think that's something that people should be looking at more of is surround yourself with the people that you want to be like, you know, like that's one of the reasons why you and I, I've consistently been trying to keep talking to you because I think you're incredibly inspired by what you're doing right now. And I want to be inspired, you know, and there's other people that I know that have started some really cool entrepreneurship stuff. And I'm like, wow, like there's so much creativity and talent and, you know, inspiration and momentum that's coming from this 2020. That 2021 is really going to be, I'm so excited about 2021 because of the fact that there's so much talent and so much cool stuff that's coming out of this that I just had no idea these people were even capable of it. So, but yeah, what would you say to any of that? Yeah, man, 2021, I think is going to be a big year for uh, creatives because, uh, We've all been kind of developing our creative stuff through uh, 2020 and 2021 is the time for us to release it out there and uh, show what we're uh, made of. So I'm super excited about that. It started off a little bit uh, gnarly uh, with what's going on in the States right now, but hopefully, uh, hopefully it gets better. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to just like, just embracing more of my, uh, my art and my creativity. And once COVID's done, I want to like start collaborating with like-minded people. Like, man, I got guys like you, Marlon and Mike in my life. And, uh, I'd like to meet, uh, more people who are, uh, uh, touching into that creative side. And, uh, that's, that's a big goal of mine going forward. I would assume that also being an artist and that the fact that you're getting into this and you're really starting to, I think you're also, you're learning, right? So you're teaching yourself more and more about the industry. So more of that learning in 2021 is guaranteed for you because you're going to be looking at, especially with the fact that you're taking photos now and you're starting to take on photography, even just like trying to take on photography in general. Like you mentioned before we started this, I mentioned to you that I got into Adobe Edition because I have to make adjustments to the audio and stuff, but then you've been playing around in Lightroom and things like that. It's really interesting because that also, I've noticed that that in itself is also a skill that takes tons of time to learn. And it, it just takes, you know, practice and getting used to it and knowing what to do and what to play with and, you know, kind of looking for the information and the knowledge that's out there. You know, you mentioned YouTube videos and Instagram. TikTok also has like this learning piece now. I don't know if you've noticed, but they have like a light bulb at the top left. I don't know if you checked it out, but no. if you go into TikTok, I know obviously you probably haven't started a TikTok because it's like, it's addictive as hell. Yeah. But uh, the top left of TikTok is really cool because it has like a, a learning thing now. So you can actually learn. And some pages have actually been teaching crazy things, whether it's Photoshop, whether it's investing, whether whatever it is. So I would recommend to you, if you haven't looked at TikTok, definitely check it out from the artist perspective, because I think there's, first of all, there's really cool artists out there. I know there's musicians and stuff that are coming from there as well, but there's also people yeah. that are drawing right on the spot. I watched this girl draw with both hands, both sides of an animal. And you're like, whoa, I don't know how people do that, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't understand how you do what you do either. So if you think about it, but there's a lot of people that are, you know, showing off their talents and on like these places that you, I think only can create more beneficial ways for us to learn. It's crazy what we have access to nowadays. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, the internet's a beautiful uh, thing for learning uh, new skills for sure. So then, and obviously that's, I would, I would assume that's what you're looking at in 2021 is just consistent learning on photography, which are you looking at different ways of, I know you mentioned you're dabbling in different methods of doing your art now with like pastel or whatever the different uh, acrylic and things like that. So like, what are, what do you see for the future in 2021 and onwards kind of for your art? Like, are you just going to consistently keep trying new things or like talk a little bit about that? Cause I, I'm really intrigued actually. Yeah, man. Um, I want to get more into uh, like we uh, kind of touched on earlier there about giving back. 
So uh, I'm hoping to get started on a massive uh, polar bear painting, actually, um, that I'm hoping uh, will raise some awareness and some money for uh, the polar bear situation with uh, the ice caps melting and their habitat kind of being destroyed from uh, climate change. Right. So that's right. that's something that I really want to put my efforts into uh, in 2021. Crazy. I'm hoping to start that painting in the next couple months. So, and it's going to be my biggest one yet, man. I think it, like I got to kind of like be realistic with myself, but I'm hoping it's going to be like six feet wide, like just something crazy. Like it, it's going to be sweet. So yeah, I'm super excited about that. And uh, like I like I said uh, earlier, um, when we're allowed to see other people again, I really want to start touching into like the photography and artist community and meet other people who are doing similar things to me and kind of like see what I can learn because it's not just the internet. I, it's it's a, an important step with uh, collaborating with people and learning uh, how other people are uh, doing their crafts as well. So that, that's something I'm super excited about. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll also, I'm sure you're also, I mean, hopefully with the, you know, if people can start coming out of their homes and not being locked down all the time, maybe you can even like meet a lot of these people that have been probably you've had com- conversations with and collaborations and things like that, which as you just mentioned, you know, I think there's nothing better to pick the brain of an artist. If you're an artist and understand where For they sure. drive from, because then maybe you can learn something or you can take some learnings from it and understand, Ooh, okay. Like I never thought of it in that way. And it kind of changes your approach or angle or concept or whatever it is in, in your art. I think that's one of the really cool things about art, you know, art in general is that it evolves with you, right? Like it's yeah. ultimately as you evolve, your art's going to evolve. And the more people you expose yourself to and all that stuff is going to create even better pieces of art. And I, I, I anticipate 10, 15 years down the line that there's going to be a painting sitting in my apartment, wherever the hell it is, that's going to be worth a decent amount of money. That's going to have a uh, B Woodhouse in the bottom right corner of it. So I'm looking forward to that day. And another one in your podcast studio. <laughs> ah, or the one and in my podcast. another one in your podcast studio. Yeah, man. You're damn straight. I mean, I would hope that that's a gift when I have a podcast studio. hundred percent. hundred percent. But no, man, I, first of all, I want to say thank you very much for joining me on the podcast because I know that it's a bit intimidating and I've been telling everybody this. I understand that it's the age that we're living in now. I think voice and talking and videoing and vlogging and all these things is going to be the future. And a lot of us are going to have to kind of get out of our comfort zone to do it. I know you mentioned at the beginning that you're like, man, it's my first time. I'm not really sure. Can we talk about it for like an hour beforehand because you're worried about talking? But man, like I, I think it was just, it's just an honest conversation with a person on the other side of the the mic, man. Like I'm, I'm really happy that you came on here. I'm really glad that you could talk about your art. Give us like a bit of an insight to that brilliant artistic mind of yours that kind of was hiding, as you said. And I think that you're just going to further define yourself as whoever Brian is. And you're not the jock, man. I mean, if you think of yourself as a jock, you'll be a jock, but whatever yeah. you want to be, man, is, is what you're going to end up being. But I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, dude, I super appreciate it, man. I love what you're doing. Like, I feel like this is really honing into like what you're great at. So uh, I appreciate you having me on your podcast and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more of your stuff. We just wait to this in, in a 10 years or a decade or something like that. We'll look back on this video audio and have like a large giggle or about kind of where you were, where I was and and where we are at that time. Like that's one of the coolest things about doing what we're doing right now is that, you know, right now it's now, but in 10 years, 20 years from now, we look back and we're like, wow, we were some completely different people. So it's definitely great having somebody on here. Who I know is just going to continue growing for sure. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on. I just want to thank everybody. Thank you very much for 
for listening to this episode. I think it was very insightful, uh, you know, listening into a kind of an artist, somebody who didn't really think that he was going to be an artist, kind of had it come back to him, you know, a passion that he started with when he was younger. And I think a lot of you guys kind of have to do that as well coming into 2020, you know, focus on, focus on your why, focus on your purpose, focus on, you know, your intention of what you're trying to do. Make sure whatever you're doing isn't something that you're wasting your time on. That's something you enjoy. That's something that brings passion to your life. You know, for me, podcasting is really kind of resonating with me. I'm really enjoying these conversations. I continue to encourage people to reach out to me if you want to be involved because I really want to hear your stories. I want to learn about you. I want to, I want to push whatever brands you're standing up for, causes that you might be raising money for, as well as just kind of see people's growth and development over the last period because this 2020 has been incredible. So for that, I just want to say thank you very much for tuning into the, the Cozy Podcast. Tune in next time till we have another story from 2020 and I'm looking forward to uh, telling that to you guys. So have yourselves a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you.